Today's reading is from Galatians 3, verses 7 to 14. The Word of God. Know then that this is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does not who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace with this reminder in our hearts that you have extended your kingdom to us through your Son. No longer are we held back from knowing you by laws. No longer is it difficult to understand you. No longer are we separated from your love. Father, this amazing Jesus, this awesome power that hung on a cross for us, did so because you want your love to pour out to everyone on earth. This gospel we hear, the gospel we read each time we pick up the Bible belongs to me because your son Jesus gave me it through the apostles. Help us, Father, to give it to others, to share it with those who love and who love us back and more importantly, share it with those that we don't love. This is a saving gospel, Father. And Father, our hearts just weep for those who don't know you. Help Help us to have humility to before others, that we don't put them off the gospel by our acts. Give us your spirit and love so that we overflow with you, that we have more of you and less of ourselves. Father, remind us today that you are the great I am, that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob from the very beginning and you are the Christ now, the Christ who saved me. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your presence, our God and our Redeemer. I'm not sure you're familiar with St Lawrence. Lawrence was a deacon serving in Rome in or around the 3rd century when a wave of persecution broke out. When Pope Sixtus and others were killed, Lawrence knew it was only a matter of time before they came for him. As keeper of the church's goods, he had already been responsible for giving alms to the poor. Now he started giving them even more. Soon Lawrence was called before the Roman officials who demanded he hand over the church's treasure. He replied that indeed the church was rich and asked for three days to get everything in order. The days passed and the Roman officials arrived not to a church filled with silver and gold, but one filled with the poor, 
the blind, the lame and the leprous. Here are the treasures of the church, declared Lawrence. The idea of being exclusive has long been a problem for both the church and for the Christian. For some of us, joining and baptism is nothing more than a public display of dedication to an institution and not about a public humbling before God in the name of Christ. As we've already read, the Galatians were spreading rumours about Paul and his ability to spread the good news of Jesus because they believe he hadn't been truly saved and was a fake. We've already seen how he goes to great lengths to prove his worth. He name drops Peter and the other apostles and he genuinely opens up in his letter about his life as a non-Christian when he violently persecuted the church. A curious thing happened to me this week. I attended the most wonderful public display of faith for a long time in one of my friends who was baptised. And I was reminded once again as I looked over a hundred heads that right there in that very act as she knelt before the minister and was baptised that the religion and the God the ancient of days so unique at one time to one people was standing there with my friend welcoming her back into his arms and he was well pleased you see back in Abrahamic times you could look for the qualities of God and find it difficult to see Jesus in him we kind of take for granted the Old Testament sometimes and we tend to think that it's irrelevant to what's going on today but the god of but this god of abraham isaac and jacob is very much the same god who came to earth and dwelt among his creation creation in the chapters we've just read paul readies himself to give show to that mainstay of his of this jesus's faith in him he readies himself to show everyone that Jesus is the reason we can have faith. Because remember the Galatians are busy thinking what they do every day merits God's favour. But Paul asserts that it doesn't matter what they do. It matters why they do it and that why was lacking in some of them. They didn't grasp the understanding of what it meant to be given to God because of faith. And you'll notice throughout this chapter and this book in fact that Paul is fond of appealing to the example of Abraham. In fact, he uses his name no less than nine times. So we can take from that it mattered a great deal to Paul that the Galatians knew that God saves his people by grace and not on the grounds of their human achievement. By using the example of Abraham, Paul can illustrate that scripture tells how God held Abraham in high regard for his faithfulness. And to the Jewish Galatians could associate to anyone. If they could associate to anyone, it would most definitely be to Abraham. If the great and highly regarded father of the Jewish people was accepted by God on the grounds of faith, then that should be good enough for the people in the Galatian church. Paul's emphasis on Abraham's faith must have come as a complete surprise to the congregations in Galatia. But there was no gainsaying in the fact that when God called Abraham, 
No long list of his good deeds were recorded. He simply heard the call and responded with blind, loving, eager and admirable faith. I suppose the question arises in the mind of the Galatians. How can they be sure that this relates to them? How can they know that the same rules apply to them as it does to Abraham? And the answer to that comes from the understanding that their God, the Ancient of Days, Yahweh, and the Jesus they saw hanging on a cross are exactly the same God. I find that when I've researched this book, there has been things and themes standing out to me that I can't find anywhere else. And I found it just recently in a devotional to chapter 3 in Galatians. And that question sticks out in these passages. There is a clear and defining theme generating from here um, about Paul asserting without question the comparison between Abraham and Jesus and that Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is the same God that came to the world in the human form as Jesus to save the sins of his people. That is the fundamental reason for there being no other gospel and it's a fundamental reason why faith in Jesus is the only way to salvation. So before we go any further let's consider this Yahweh. Since time immemorial Christians have been saying and quoting that hymn Jesus is the sweetest name I know and they're completely right it is the sweetest name that we all know but Yahweh is and it can be for us too. What Paul is doing here is showing that from Abraham to you Galatia the God of Israel doesn't change. He hasn't changed and won't ever change. So this Jesus that you have loved and you have seen and has sacrificed himself to you is the same God, the same Yahweh that your ancestors loved. Just to interrupt, I have a cover. I, I, I have to cover the importance of God as Jesus and Jesus as God. I, I don't think I've covered that quite enough yet so I'm, I want to spend a bit of time in the middle of this just talking about this because this is important to the context of Paul's reasoning here I think you know he's not just comparing the faith of Abraham and the faith of a Christian for no reason he's actually saying that the rules that the ancient of days had for Abraham is the same as faith in Jesus that the law didn't matter because actually you remember that Abraham came before the law so even though he was justified it's absolutely inexcusable to say that he was justified because of the law because he was justified entirely on his faith that's why he when God said to him kill your son he was about to do it until he intervened you know it was that blind faith that just appealed to Abraham and it should be that blind faith that appeals to all of us. Just to listen to what God says and do what he says and not question it. God gave himself the name Yahweh. You know, that was that's very important to understand that at the time of this 
Galatian church being set up and Paul's letter to these Jewish Galatians who were saying all this stuff about him in their mind and you need to place yourself in their same mindset that the God that he's talking about and the Jesus he's talking about gave himself the name Yahweh and that's very important that no man gave God that name. It's his chosen personal name and the Bible tells us that he loves to be known by his name. In fact, it's used over 5,000 times in the Old Testament and it generally is translated in our English versions as Lord. You know, you normally find it in small capitals. But it's not a title. I go back to that point, it's a personal name. It's, it's like George or Elizabeth. The name Yahweh is probably known best by us as Christians in its shortens, in its shortened form, which is like Yah at the end of Hallelujah, which means just literally praise Yahweh. And I think it's just so lovely to think about that when we sing Hallelujah. Because when we sing it, what we really mean is, no, I don't praise you Ra or ancestors or Molech or Rimon or Zeus or any other god. I turn from you with disdain to Yah. I praise Yah, hallelujah. And he announced his name, this Yahweh, to Moses in Exodus 3. And he said to him, Say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And it's interesting that, isn't it? That would be very clear in the Galatians' mind at the time. Yahweh is, the, is, is, is my name forever. And here you're saying that having this faith in this Jesus, which is a different name, maybe, you know, what, where does that sit? But actually, as you'll see in a minute, it's actually down to our translation of Jesus that we can, we can start to understand where they come together. He preceded the announcement in Exodus saying, if you remember, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people, the people of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. The Hebrew name Yahweh is connected to the Hebrew verb, I am. So Yahweh is most fundamentally the one who is. I am who I am is the most foundational meaning of Yahweh. It means my amness comes from my amness. So my being from my being, my existence from my existence. And that's it. The Lord God has no beginning, no end, no dependence. He just simply is always was and always will be and he communicates all that in his personal name. At the time Paul was writing these letters many Galatians would have been astonished that their God would descend to earth to save them. You know that's the fundamental principle when Jews confess Christ his name is the most amazing thing about him and in the most fullness of time it was this Yahweh who came into the world to seek and save the lost. In Matthew 1, the angel says to Joseph, you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the Greek translation of Jesus is Joshua, and Joshua is a combination of Yah and, salva which, and salvation or save, which, I mean, literally what Jesus means is Yahweh saves. So when Paul says things like, Understand then that those who believe are children of God. What he's really saying is that 
There is just faith in Jesus that makes you one of Abraham's family. You are at one with the great I am. That's an amazing thing. I don't know if we all feel the power of that all the time. It's stupendous. It's huge. It's so amazingly loving of God to do. An act to welcome in everyone. You're all saved. All of you. Not because of what you do, but because he loves you. And he wants you to be with him forever. It's amazing. And with that great truth, the person who really keeps the law, and nobody can really keep the law, we can realise that the law can never justify. And the law forces us, because of that, to fall on the righteousness of God. I'm just reading my Bible just now, and there's a quote that's actually really, really poignant. It just covers off a bit of understanding about these verses. It says, Paul is making the point that the law, the Pentateuch, does not offer two ways of salvation, one based on human performance in keeping with the commandments and another based on divine activity in which humans respond in faith. The law from the beginning indicated that there was only one way of salvation and that is something done by God and not by humans. So brothers and sisters, take on this great promise given to Abraham. This is then given to you through Christ who saved you. Christ who is the same God that created the earth. The same God who flung stars into space was the same God who cruel nails surrendered him. We should be leaping for joy with that very fact. Many Gentiles Look to the church as a place where riches could be stored up, just like the story of St Lawrence that I was telling you about. And the church was believed to be full of the riches of the world. The Christian sect, the Jewish Christian sect derived from the wealth of the land of milk and honey, was thought to contain all the gold and silver imaginable to the Romans at the time of St Lawrence. And yet, that's not what the church really ever was, and the act of St Lawrence really proved that. That the true treasure of the church is those who need God the most. A church is not a church without sinners. A church is not a building. It's a place where people who have faith, remember, just faith, no merits and no badges, just faith. They come together and they congregate together to thank the Lord Jesus for what he has done. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham by Yahweh might come to the Gentiles me and you through this Christ this Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit what an amazing way to see the Lord the Galatians were indeed foolish, as Paul says, to turn away to acts rather than to faith. Paul, blessed Paul, just as a minister would to his congregation, writes to them with this disciplining love in the hope that they refocus on their faith, their utter helplessness in front of an eternal and loving God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and of me, and of you, in Christ Jesus. Amen.